Hello. My name is Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information about this and other projects, please visit www.thoughtjarproductions.com. That's www.thoughtjarproductions.com. We can also be found at Thoughtjar Productions on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to this program on iTunes and on Spotify, and please tell your friends about this show. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. My name is Stephen. Thank you very much for downloading this episode. This week, we are reviewing the 1977 science fiction classic, Star Wars. Yes, yeah, Star Wars, which turns 40 this month, and we've already had uh, the May the 4th Be With You Day happen as well. It's a really good time to be looking at this film as it turns 40. Everyone's seen Star Wars, right? Not quite, but most people have. Uh, joining us on this uh, panel, we have three guests. That's right. Three. Ooh. Uh, joining and sitting uh, immediately to my left is our is our new person that we are initiating to the world of Star Wars. It is Claire Mosel Crossley. Claire, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just let the folks at home know a little bit about yourself. Um. Well, I study at Murdoch, and that's about all I do. No, oh, that's fine. And what are you uh, studying in? Theatre and drama. Excellent, yes. And you've never seen Star Wars? Nah. Any of them? Nah. You, uh, you, can I just say, while most people at home will be... I can hear millions of voices crying out <laughs> as though someone hasn't seen this film. I can also hear me going, yes, because it's really hard to find someone that hasn't seen Star Wars. So thank you very much for agreeing to come on. No problem. And uh, sitting next to Claire, we have our first returning guest. Hi. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Sarah Curtis, uh, soon to be Dr. Sarah Curtis. Oh, give me a few more months. In a couple of months, yes. Uh, just a quick reminder, you're doing your PhD in? Musical theatre, mostly lyrics. Excellent. And uh, obviously you're a... Uh, Something of a Star Wars fan for anyone that uh, that knows you? Yeah, just a bit. I'm a huge nerd and I do have a family Star Wars story, mm-hmm. uh, just so that everyone knows. Star Wars is in my blood, literally. My parents met um, at a secret surprise first date watching Star Wars Episode Six. Oh, okay. So that's why I exist. There Thanks, Star Wars. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah, Star Wars just keeps giving. And joining us for uh, his podcast debut, sitting to my right, it is Mr. Andrew David. Andrew, welcome. Hello, Stephen. Thanks for having me. No worries. And uh, just let the folks at home know a little bit about what you do. Yeah, I'm a workshop assistant for a company called Traumasim. We make uh, blood and guts for medical training. And I also do set design and production design and props and everything else in between in the theatre space. Excellent. And uh, Star Wars, you are also something of a big fan. Uh, you could say I live and breathe Star Wars. I considered coming to dine in my Mandalorian armor that I made myself. You should but have. I just currently at a friend's house oh. and I thought it might be a bit much. I could um, give you all lightsabers. That's cool. I do have lightsabers as well. So there, there, I, there were a few things I went through and I decided, no, I'll just, I'll just come with my normal get up. For today no that's that's well i think that's a good one given that this is a sort of a slow mm. introduction is star wars i, mean, I didn't want to scare claire off no that's that's perfectly fair um so i, I suppose i i should ask uh, starting with claire as the person who hasn't seen star wars 
what do you know of Star Wars, and and what is your sort of opinion, just based on obviously the the culture, it, its presence in the culture, I guess. Um. Well, I've just heard that it's amazing, really good. Um. But I really don't know a lot about it. I kind of avoided it because I never really wanted to let go of my never had, have I ever go to question. <laughs> Yes, well, I'm, I'm sorry to be depriving you of that, but, uh, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of other things that we can uh, not expose you to in the future. And uh, you have to remember, there's a lot of these Star Wars films now. There's uh, eight currently with, uh, well, the... These... Nine if you count the Clone Wars, which you probably shouldn't. No, I... And I... Rebels. Uh, Rebels well, isn't the film. But they're, they're the Clone they're... Wars film. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but in terms of, like, you've got your seven currently released episodic films mm-hmm. and then uh, Rogue One, which yeah. is the first of the... Yeah. Uh, extra money spinners so uh let's uh yeah so you so you've um you you know very little about it pretty much excellent okay well i look forward to uh, seeing your reaction for uh starting with you sarah uh, for our two people who have seen star wars um in a sort of obviously vague non-spoilery uh, kind of way what is it about this particular film a new hope that um that stands out for you Um, Well, as I said, my family is really connected to Star Wars. So this is my childhood, especially this particular film, because as a family, we would watch it together and quote it together and do everything about it together. And because of this film, I ended up joining um, Jedi Boot Camp and becoming a Jedi for three years. Um, So yeah, super nerd. Um, And for a party's job, I used to dress up as a Jedi. So this is what started it all for me. Okay, and for you, Andrew, what, what, where does A New Hope uh, sit in your Star Wars heart? Oh, it's hard for me to extract New Hope from Star Wars as a whole um, because uh, my entire life, I can't remember a time when I didn't love Star Wars. So New Hope, really, it, it's the milestone of this is where it all began. Um, but obviously, it's grown a lot more since then. And it's just good to go back and watch it and understand how it's developed since it's... Uh, Sith's birth in A New Hope and how much it's changed both uh, culturally and story-wise. Excellent. Yes. So uh, I guess we should jump in, shouldn't we? Yes. So not ready. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are going to leave you here for a short piano interlude. And on the other side, we will return with our review of Star Wars Episode 4, A New and welcome back everybody we have just finished watching star wars episode 4 a new hope or as it was known back then just just star wars uh, joining me <clears throat> to discuss the film we've just watched is mr andrew david hello again Miss Sarah Curtis. Pew pew! And our, uh, our debutee, our person who has seen the film now for the first time, uh, Claire Mosel Crossley. Hello! So, Claire, we should probably start with you, as that was your first experience of a Star Wars film. What, what did you think? It was actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Correct answer. Well done. <laughs> One of us. So you really enjoyed it? Though. Yeah. Excellent. What, just, I mean, we've, we've obviously just finished watching it and sat down, but, but what stands out for you, just, just thinking back to the last couple of hours, like what, what stood out for you as making it really good? It actually has a storyline. I didn't think it had a storyline. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's did, fa- did, did you assume it was just like a collection of random scenes set in space? <laughs> I thought it was 
just a lot of pew pew. <laughs> to be fair, there was a lot of that yeah. too. <laughs> yes. We, we, now, uh, for those of you playing along at home, if you haven't seen any of the Star Wars franchise, we are going to be discussing pretty much full spoilers across the series. So if you are in the same position as Claire and uh, you you don't want to be spoiled for anything that's coming up, uh, I would advise, well, I would never advise not listening to the podcast, but uh, maybe just pause it, go watch the other seven films and then come back. Um, but yes, uh, we did have to stop uh, partway through to just explain uh, some of your, uh, the discrepancies between what was happening in the film and your foreknowledge, your foreknowledge being the, that uh, Luke Skywalker's father uh, was Darth Vader. Um, but then obviously Obi-Wan at one point is going, oh yes, no, uh, uh, Anakin Skywalker, your father was killed by Darth Vader. Spot yep. on Alec Guinness. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yes, yeah, so we did have to stop and explain that. But other than that, um, it was pretty easy to follow, really, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yes, and uh, just, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you guys have seen it before, Andrew and Sarah, but for me, watching that uh, again, I don't know how many times it is that I've watched this film now, but it's, um, it's, it's still really good. It's still really, really enjoyable. Uh, yeah, every time. Um, we we did watch the uh, the Blu-ray release, which had all those uh, fun <laughs> little additions that everyone loves so much. It's my yes. favorite. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, uh, uh, should I run down the list real quick? Yes, if you want. Cool. If, if, yes, the uh, the the remastered version. Uh, the, well, this is which remastering is this? Well, well, okay. So the history of it is original release, re-release in cinema with like slightly better effects in like the eighties, I think. Um, and then the the re-release in 97 on DVD for the first time, which added all the effects. And then this is VHS, the Blu-ray. VHS, I believe. No, in I, was there a VHS there copy as well? It was VHS version, I had it. Oh, okay, but does it, did that one have the special effects? It did have the special effects, Oh, okay, effects, cool. Yeah. Um, and then this was the Blu-ray copy, which had all the special effects with some slight updates. But they still look great. But yes, yeah, so it, it was, it, obviously there's quite a few discrepancies. Obviously the biggie being... Uh, who shot first in the scene in the Mos Eisley Cantina between uh, Han Solo and Greedo? Uh, Andrew, who who did shoot first? Han shot first, obviously, except <laughs> in this version, in which for some reason he didn't. It just must have been an off day for him. Let's. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I closed my eyes. I didn't see it. I just know that Han shot. They first. did speed it up in this one a little bit. Like in previous versions, it was quite a. Uh, his leaning away mm. is really dodgy, and like really noticeable. In this one, it was a bit quicker. Which was like at least they kind of try to diminish what they did, but still there. Um, should I? Yes, yes, by all means. Um, so I, I grouped a lot of them together. So first up was the really obvious CGI Jubaks in the wastelands of Tatooine. They're, they're the big uh, lizardy things that yes. the stormtroopers are riding on. I'll translate um, at home. Oh you? yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to bother. Yeah. Uh, you yeah, use the I run it through you. Use your um, talk. Yeah. The new crate dragon sound that Obi Wan makes for some reason they just changed Why that. Why did they change that? It was so good in the original. I don't know. Like, I think I they wanted to make it, it more alien. It was very it, weird. It did sound like it was coming from different parts of the speaker, I guess. Like just mm. in terms, of, it sounded more like it was coming from behind me as, as an it observer. It was also a different sound from the ground up. Yeah, and yeah. it mm. sounded like it was coming from a human voice though. Like the original one sounded like he'd somehow used the force. Mm to make an animalistic noise. Yeah. And this time it sounded human. Right. Yes. Which is disappointing. Mm. Um, the many, many instances of CGI in the Moss Eisley scenes, which were just there for no reason. Mm. Um, we're replacing a few of the uh, the effects in the cantina, like the Wolfman is no longer there. Mm. Yeah, he's replaced by some sort of like... Tall blue, blue thing. Yeah, tall blue thing. Mm. 
Mm. We're into drugs, you know. Star Wars. Oh, you know, it's more size. They can do whatever they want. Mm. Yeah. It is um, a wretched hive of scum and villainy, I'm the, told. Yes. You never find a more wretched hive, mm-hmm. in fact. Um, Han, not shooting first. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stupid Jabba scene. Oh, God. Oh, yes. Which ruins that arc throughout the films, but... Yeah, know. it's it's interesting. It, it is interesting they added that back in, because um, I remember when... I had the, the, the VHS of the remaster. They Before you got into actually watching the film, they did like a short 15-minute, 20 minute like explanation of why all this CGI remastering they were doing was good and mm. how they'd done it. And they actually showed how they did mm. uh, add in yeah. the, I remember the, that. Yeah, the, yeah. the new sluggy Jabber, or at least like Jabber as he is in Return of the Jedi, over the top of the uh, fat guy in a like furry... Vest, like a like a cloak on. I don't know. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was human, but he was Mm. just there as a stand-in. And yeah, initially when you're watching that, and you're watching that twenty years ago now, you're going, oh, okay, that that is kind of interesting. But yeah, look, looking at it now, that it it looks bad. It really it hasn't Mm. dated well. Oh yeah, which is a real shame. And uh, anything else? Um, the Falcon leaving Mos Eisley when it takes off, that's a bit of CGI. It looks... I, th- I think that looks... Yeah, it look, that looks okay. Yeah, that, 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 that's um, where it's like... That's actually yeah. not bad. Um, adding more Stormtroopers uh, when Han is racing around... That's um, a great addition. Yeah. That was good. That, yeah. That's like... It makes a lot more sense why he suddenly freaks out. Mm. Um, adding in the big scene again when they're in the Yavin 4 base. Oh, yeah. Right. Biggs Dark Light? Dark Speed? What's his name? Uh, Biggs Dark Lighter. Biggs Dark Lighter, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they still have not added in the scenes from the beginning of the film no. where you actually see Luke hanging out with Biggs on, on Tatooine. But yeah. it also makes sense that they didn't re-add those in um, because yes. it would have slowed it down. And also they wanted the film to be from the perspective of the droids for the first 20 minutes because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they are the characters who know the least. Therefore, they're the most compelling to follow. Yes. So you don't want to see, you know, this star battle from the planet looking up going, oh, what's going on? No, yeah. it's more interesting to be it, from that perspective. It doesn't take anything away adding that one in mm. but it also doesn't really add much yeah because yeah. you're still like you still don't care about Biggs when he blows yeah. up 10 minutes later oh you do if you read the books oh yes yeah, so, I mean I care about Biggs yeah but like, Claire, Claire did you care about Biggs I didn't even know there was books <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you want to I, I I have so many books um, yeah I, we have them all <laughs> um and then during the space battle and the Yavin takeoff there's a few more CGI ships which are they're okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so, so I think as the film goes on, they actually do add things to to the film, and that's because they're small changes. Mm. I think ch- changing things like changing who shoots, what the harm not shooting first now in that scene, having them both shoot at the same time, it, it, it does take away from the fact that that Han Solo is a scumbag. Mm. Like he's yeah. he he's meant to be not a nice person when you meet him, and that kind of carries on throughout that whole film, and that kind of makes his his redemptive arc over the series and indeed at the end of this when he flies back in to save the day or help save the day uh that has less impact if he's not as much of a scumbag at the beginning yeah. mm. so it does seem odd but um yeah i'm uh, just going through the notes that i took as well um the rogue one connections mm. it's it's really interesting this is the first time i've watched it since we had rogue one released at the end of uh, 2016 um and it, it does it does add something. It doesn't it doesn't add a huge amount in terms of the viewing of this. But whenever they do mention the the Death Star plans, um, you, you do you can't help but go back and think of um, everything that happened in that film, Sarah. Yes, well, that is one of my favourite films. I have watched it far too many times in the last few months to be good for my health. 
Mm. Um, but I had an interesting moment. See, the first time I watched Rogue One, I immediately went home and watched A New Hope. And the comparison between the two, I um, didn't... Like, I felt like A New Hope was really slow, comparatively. Mm. But then watching it this time, I didn't feel it that much. I think because I was trying to sort of watch it through the perspective of Claire... Like I was, I was putting myself in that mindset of watching it for the first time, what it's like watching it for the first time. Well, this is the, the first time anyone has been introduced to this world. It, it really is, here are the characters, here's the world, here's this epic space fantasy, so it has to take its time. Yeah. Did, yeah. Did, I, I just want to ask Claire if that's all right. Did you find it so at all? How did, how did you feel about the pacing? Um, no, I thought it went pretty quickly. Yeah. Like it, it told enough that you knew enough, but it also went at a pretty good speed. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I did a, I, I had a similar thing when they're in Tatooine and when C-3PO and R2-D2 first split up, and it's like, okay, this is this is a little uh, a little slower than I remember, but at the same time, uh, you, you, you're perfectly right that this is the first time you expose to that Star Wars world, and I think part of the success of Star Wars, uh, aside from uh, the music, which we'll get onto in a second, Ooh, yes. uh, part of the <laughs> success, I think, is is just the, the the world building or the world's building that's done mm. in this. Um, you know, we see things like um, like the Jawa uh, tank. Sandcrawler. Sandcrawler, thank you. Um, that, that, that is, you'd almost say needlessly massive, but it's, it's strange and it's the way it moves over the sand and things like that. And it's like, what are these weird, like, junk-holding aliens? I want to know more about them. I want to know more about... Um, the the spy with the big elephant trunk that's uh, ratting Kubaz. on yeah thank you uh, that's ratting <laughs> on um, on all uh, Luke and Han and that there's so much in this and in a lot of the um, the original trilogy that they do that makes you want to know more about this universe which mm. I think is really cool which is one of the reasons there's so many books mm. yeah, I think <laughs> one of the strengths of all these films is um, George Lucas's way of um world building and ralph macquarie's design mm. yeah i yeah. mean like his designs they still go back to them now like every oh, yeah. new film they go back to the vault and they look at what ralph macquarie had like just put away because it wasn't working for whatever film he was currently working on and they go back to that and go how can we incorporate this into the current films because it's just so good yeah you look at stuff like um uh, I watched that show religiously. Uh, Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. There's the character of uh, someone's going to crucify me for getting his name. Steve Bloom voices him. Uh, no one else here. Watched no one I else haven't watched, watched them. Uh, but he's like this big hairy creature um, who is like directly taken from the original Chewbacca design. Mm. And I said, "This is cool. Let's reuse this." Here's another character that's based off that design. So they keep doing that. And on that note, you also have like Ben Burt's amazing sound design on the mm. thing, mm. Um, and of course, as you said before, John Williams's score. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, it's it's pretty much the iconic film soundtrack. Mm. I mean, um, that just just that opening where you know it's a long time ago, a galaxy far away, and then it's quiet. Bye. 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 Yeah, it's just really. I really remember effective. that watching episode seven in the in the theater for the first time. And it goes silent. And I swear they make that silence longer for episode seven. Mm. And because you just sit there in the dark. You're waiting for it. And then for the first time in forever, bam. Mm. Uh, it's just, it holds up so chills. well. It's just such yeah. a, mm. John Williams is amazing. Yeah, he really is. And the rest of the music is great. Um, I mean, Claire, obviously, again, being exposed to it for the first time. Your thoughts on the music? 
I thought it was the same song, just sped up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it, it is all, um, you know, in the same style. They did have a very specific style that they Mm. were going for um, in trying to sort of recapture the days of the uh, adventure films from like the 1930s through to the 1950s. So it makes sense. Uh, But uh, no, they did. He did write a few different (laughs) songs, but I mean, there is a lot of similar sounding things. Something I, um, I I found uh, doing my, uh, as usual, my IMDb troll before Mm -hmm. we do these films, um, that the, the Imperial March tune isn't in this film. No, No. it's not. Um, That's first in episode five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When you first see the executor, yeah, Superstar Destroyer. Yeah, I which believe. is really odd because that's mm. arguably like, aside from the theme, is the iconic piece of Star yeah. Wars music. Mm. So it's it's really weird that that wasn't in there, but it sort of feels like it was in a way. It's it's, well, it's very odd. That's that parts of the theme are woven into the music. So it's like he went through his old music and went, "Hey, this sounds dark Expand and ominous. Let's make it mm. bigger." Mm. Um, which is what they do a lot in music. Yes, Andrew, uh, the Harry character Garazeb. Is that the name of the character? Yeah, Zeb yes, is what Zeb, they call him. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yes, Gareth Zeb is Thank the... you for looking that up. That was going to eat me up all night. Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I thought the music was great. I loved the uh, the way they shot all the stuff in the desert. There's very bright, blocky colours. Um, you know, the blue and the red. And then when you get into well, dusk, it was... Quickly going back to the music. Yeah. One of my favourite stories about Star Wars was when they were doing the original previews. Mm. And didn't um, have the music. they didn't mm. have the music and some of the cast members were sitting at the back of the theatre watching it. Like, they were so embarrassed. They just mm. watched it fall flat on its face and they were like, oh God, what's going to happen? This is the worst thing ever. Well, that, that's also before the, the final edit, which was mm. done by George Lucas's wife, whose name I forget, as I like, I like forgetting things. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know if it's the final edit or the rough edit, but like, Everyone hated this film mm. before John Williams came in and before his uh, wife came in and like made it a watchable thing. Mm. Yeah. Like um, it was going to be so terrible yeah. and then it became this big blockbuster because of yeah. the music. And if you uh, have access to YouTube, you can actually go look at the very original cinematic trailer for oh. Star Wars. Oh, God. Which doesn't have oh. the music. And it's it looks very like 70s. a lot of the other science fiction films of the time, uh, which were not particularly great um or, or at least like they, they were okay but they, they didn't have that um the, the same magic that that the star wars films captured really um no. i know george originally considered having um the going the 2001 approach because he was a big fan of uh, stanley kubrick's 2001 a space odyssey and the idea of just using already existing classical music yeah mm-hmm. which you know could have been fun but at the same time wouldn't, I don't think would have worked as well as this soundtrack. Also, been there, done that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think that was very important. Uh, Marsha Lucas. Oh, thank there you. There you go. Yeah, no I knew that's ah, the, um, the handy thing of having an internet <laughs> Can I just say before we go any further, can we just give a quick shout out to the late and the great Carrie Fisher? Mm. As well as Kenny Baker, who both passed last year. Yes, and uh, it, it is interesting. It's the first time I've watched <laughs> Claire's giving me like, Kenny Baker <laughs> was the little man inside of R2-D2. There's a guy inside yeah. there. In some of the shots, yes. So when I was like, oh, that must be really painful when he fell over, I meant for Kenny. I don't think Kenny was in it for no, that I shot. I don't think he was. <laughs> but but yeah, um, uh, Kenny Baker um, was one of a number of um, actors of a small stature that were used by uh, George Lucas in the Star Wars films. Mm. Um, and yeah, he passed away middle of last year. And then Carrie Fisher late last year. So. Mm. Oh, wow. And it is interesting watching this film, particularly uh, with Carrie Fisher in mind, like, mm. like seeing her uh, as a 19-year-old 
in in this breakout role of hers and it's also interesting because last last week's show uh we discussed alien mm. uh which was john filmed, hurt yeah two years later but we had uh specifically sigourney weaver yes. as a similarly like youthful actress who has a breakout role in a big science fiction yep. film obviously very different tones between star wars and alien that was 79 two years after it star was wars? yes yep. that's the one but yes um it, it, what did what did we think of um does it change your viewing of the film? I guess uh, knowing that obviously Carrie's no longer with us. Just just in terms of, does it make you a bit sadder? Or I, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I spent the entire film whenever she was on screen, like watching her sass and thinking about glitter because she Carrie loved like when she was having bad days, <laughs> covering people with glitter mm. to sort of make herself yeah. feel more positive, and sort of just knowing what we all know about her life. And just sort of watching her in this really sassy role going, that's who she truly was, was this awesome, sassy person. And it's sort of like a celebration of who she is as a person, um, which was both sad and lovely at the same time. I, I get a little bit to that. Um, like the day of or the day after Carrie Fisher passed, I sat down and I watched Star Wars and I got really drunk. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Very sad that night. Um we had lots of celebrity um, deaths last year, but mm. Carrie was the only one that really hit me. Yeah. Mm. Um, so watching it like now, like a few months later, it doesn't hit me as much, but I'm just like, ah, oh, it's, it's, it's sad. It, yeah. Mm. And it's also sad because obviously we're, we're in the middle of, of a new trilogy and mm. we know that Carrie Fisher is going to be in episode eight because all of her stuff was filmed. Um, and that's going to be interesting in that same way that, that we have we've had with actors over the years like um Heath Ledger in uh, The Dark Knight and, and mm. things like that um yeah it's it's interesting but it was a it's a really good performance from her and to be honest it's a really good performance from quite a lot of the cast in it um I just love Peter Cushing just in general oh, yeah. um, He's amazing. and obviously as Grand Moff Tarkin just standing there going you may fire when ready and wearing <laughs> uh, slippers at the same time <laughs> boots were too uncomfortable um he was great alec guinness despite obviously uh, famously not enjoying his time uh, making star wars um seemed to be putting in at least a pretty good performance anyway um yeah and uh, and then there's mark hamill as luke who isn't i was going to toshi station to pick up some power converters <laughs> yeah. worst line ever it's so good who's still re- he puts like a lot in there he he's still so great much into it. and he's one of my favorite people in the world yeah now, he is so. and uh, you know mark, mark mark hamill has developed into you know, an absolutely like untouchable voice actor mm. at the very at the very least, and indeed uh, lots of other roles that he's done since on stage and on screen where he has been very good. Um, it is still slightly rough, and at one point, Claire, you, you said he was uh, space Zac Efron. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't get past it. In my mind, he still looks like Zac Efron. It's the, the haircut. It's the yeah. hair. It has mm. to be the hair. Uh, did knowing about Carrie Fisher's recent death affect you watching the viewing at all? I feel like you have to have watched it before she mm. passed away. Like for me, it's Alan Rickman in Harry Potter. Yeah. I can't oh. watch Harry Potter without feeling like absolute yeah. torture. Mm. But yeah, it, I same kind of thing. Like I, I knew she'd passed away, so it was mm. a bit sad. But then it didn't affect the way that I viewed it because okay. you didn't grow up yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she wasn't you know the hero of your childhood yeah. like she was of so many other people. Mm. And uh, just some other of uh, Claire's uh, remarks. <laughs> throughout the film because I jotted some of them down nice. um, you were very impressed by the binary star system the two stars on mm. Tatooine the two suns Wait, would you ask if there were two moons yes it looked like night time yeah, it, was, it was it was sunset and I think that's a really reasonable assumption to make as well because it, you do see a lot more 
existing planets with more than one moon as opposed to having two suns mm. um but yeah i love that and i also like uh, the new name for lightsabers which is uh, the zippy sword <laughs> <laughs> i miss what you said that's yeah. amazing <laughs> but yes um but so in, in terms of um your foreknowledge of star wars and coming into this um obviously you, you you would have come across things like the the lightsaber or the zippy sword that sort of thing um was there anything about the film that surprised you i guess in terms of uh, imagery or plot apart from the plot existing <laughs> mm. i actually thought that darth vader had a really deep voice and then he didn't it's quite deep but it's not as like mechanical or deep as i thought oh, okay. it was going to be mm. and he also didn't walk mechanically which i thought he was going to and i don't know why but it's just <laughs> well, how i pictured it well, he does have robotic limbs so you know yeah. that he is technically walking mechanically but he's, he's just a torso like that's all that's left and a head <laughs> and a head yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's spoilers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, certainly compared to uh, Anthony Daniels as C three PO, he's but, he's not moving yeah. robotically. In that but that sense. was also because Anthony Daniels couldn't move in that outfit. Yeah, yes, yeah, that, that, <laughs> it restricted him, and also Anthony Daniels was a former mime, so yes. he was already going to be doing a very exaggerated uh, series of movements. But yeah, um, I it, it is interesting watching Darth Vader in this one. He's got compared to the other two films obviously where he is the pretty much the big bad the whole way through he, he does kind of almost more of a um he's the lapdog yeah he's the lapdog yeah. he's almost like you know he's the he's the the thug that um the mafia don calls in to mm. like uh smack somebody around essentially and grand moff tarkin is very much in that role um it, it is interesting seeing that sort of almost reduced mm. presence even though he still has some really iconic things we saw he we see him choke uh, the um your lack of faith disturbs me yeah his, his fellow <laughs> admiral uh, work naughty i want to say is yeah the choke his work <laughs> colleague which i'm pretty sure is a breach of ohs um Not i don't think well they also don't have like handrails i don't think ohs is much of a yeah it's uh, the empire thing. they're all expendable mm. yeah i suppose but yeah it is interesting seeing that he's, he's slightly more um reserved almost i guess mm. um especially coming off rogue one well yeah where he... well, there is a good headcanon for that that's going around the fandom at the moment um where basically because of all of his issues and being in the suit he can only be in the suit for so long before he needs to go back it makes sense into the back to tank well, he's in that back to tank like yeah. that's what he does that's, he lives there mm. he just floats there so, um, you know, by the time he's gone through a huge battle and then chased down Leia's ship and then done some torture, he's pretty much out of juice. He just needs a nap, really. He's he been running around off the rebels for like a week now and he hasn't had any rest. Mm. Mm. Fair enough. And uh, uh, just a couple of other things. Um, obviously, uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru meet a... Uh, Luke! A, a Luke! <laughs> One, they say Luke a lot, and two, they meet a very grisly uh, end when Luke comes across and finds nightmares. Them. Yeah, and all he my finds whole childhood are two charred skeletons. But how did they get charred? That's that's the thing I'd like to know because obviously we see laser weapons shoot a lot of people in this yeah. film, and nobody gets cooked to their to their bones. So, uh, are there any theories about that or anything? I know a few, but if anyone else wants to jump in before I do. Or maybe if our newbie gives some ideas. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't understand why the other dude didn't get sliced into millions of pieces. Oh, when Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi was sliced in half. Well, he, he left his body to become one with the Force. So, so he I... used all of that energy during his death to 
Join the join force. The okay, is the force a group or is the no, force no, no, no. like a mind the Jedi? Do you not listen to the uh, the, the <laughs> teachings? Well, the force is a is actually it's a series of uh, midichlorians which oh. exists in your you can, you can No, you can leave. Uh, I'm now the host of this uh, podcast. <laughs> so if, if you would care, there's to a explain, rebellion against you, Steve. If yeah. you would care to explain the force, uh, the force is basically the all-encompassing field that can that is created by and controls life. So there are certain beings which have a connection to the Force, like Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan. They have the capacity to be Jedi Knights. So that gives Obi-Wan like his mind-altering powers. Um, it helps you fight better. It gives you better instincts. That's why Luke is such a good pilot. Um, and basically, it's uh, when Obi-Wan disappears, he's letting go of his mortal form to become one with the, uh, one with the Force so that he can then use the Force to guide Luke. So the force is like God. It's it, basically mm. religious science magic. Yeah, oh, cool. it, it's based of several Eastern religion philosophies kind of tied together. There's, it's a whole thing. Yeah, um, George Lucas was really impressed with quite a few Eastern philosophies, so he put quite a bit of it into yeah. the Star Wars canon. And a lot of Star Wars is influenced by Asian films, like um, Kurosawa, mm-hmm. who, like Hidden Fortress, that remember. kind of stuff. Um, uh, so you have there are a lot of homages to that kind of thing. Mm. That's why everyone has like um, very... Asian attire with the robes and that kind of thing. Um, the original design for Darth Vader made him look like a space samurai, basically. Um, as for disintegrations, the common theory is it was Boba Fett that does that. Boba Fett? Boba Fett? Boba Fett, where? where? Who is this guy? <laughs> um, so you know how you have to was, watch the next film. There was that, that one frame of that one guy after Jabba, like oozed off screen. Green armor, he turns to the camera. Oh, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. him. Yeah. Um, Ba- New Baba, Zealand's Baba most Baba famous Boba Fett export. <laughs> Boba uh, you, you know, you know the armor I have that I wear. Have I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's based off of him. Boba. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Boba But because in uh, Nepro Strikes Back, um, Vader's all like no disintegrations. Mm. Um, and according to the comics, Boba Fett was on Tatooine at that time. Um, and according to the film, yeah, was, it's now film. Oh yeah, and now according to the canon remastered film. Um, so yes so i'm not sure if it was confirmed by the comic book or implied by the comic book the new canon star wars comic book um but it evidence points towards boba fett being the one to have killed owen and beru there you go there's a comic book as well oh there's there's Wait about till you see the eu there's about 20 comic books yeah. at the moment oh my gosh. star wars is um is quite the merchandising enterprise mm-hmm. um there is a lot of Star Wars, should you wish to uh, delve into it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I find your back. Like like I, I have <laughs> three Star Wars books on my bedside table at the moment that I'm going through. But you have to make sure that you have the canon compliant books and not the extended universe books. It's a whole thing. Or you can just enjoy the films, which yeah. is perfectly <laughs> yeah. Start slow and yeah. feed your way. Ease your way into yeah. it. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, the IMDb troll throws up some interesting uh, facts and figures. Uh, just some basic ones, obviously, released on the 25th of May, 1977, in the USA, with a budget of $11 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, as of the re-release in 1997, if you include that cinematic re-release, the film has grossed Four hundred and sixty million dollars. Nice. Well, another fact about the original trilogy: they were all released just after George Lucas's birthday, May sixteenth. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So you know, he's like, "Oh, happy, happy birthday!" Happy birthday to me. <laughs> Got it um, done. Yeah. So that was nice. Um, 
It was really interesting, though, that uh, one, so some of the IMDb facts. Uh, George Lucas was very sure that the film would flop. There was a lot of mm. issues in the production. Mm. Obviously, the, the cut before the John Williams music was added, uh, lots of people went, this yeah. doesn't look very good. 20th Century had no faith in the film at all. Yeah, uh, uh, a lot of his director friends came around and watched it and went, George, this is no good. The only one that liked it Steven. was Steven Spielberg. <laughs> um, so, so instead of attending the premiere, George Lucas didn't go to the premiere of his film. He went on holiday to Hawaii with Steven Spielberg. <laughs> which is where they came up with the idea for Raiders of the Lost Ark so, friendship so yeah so, but, silver lining yeah mm. so because of his uh, his lack of faith in his own project which he disturbing. found disturbing yeah um, <laughs> he sort of accidentally helped create Indiana Jones with uh, Steven Spielberg which I think is interesting um in early drafts of the script, R2-D2 could speak standard English mm. and had a very foul vo- vocabulary. He used to swear a lot. Um, and so even though all of R2-D2's English speech was, was removed, C-3PO's reactions were left in, which is why he like scolds him oh. so much. Yeah. You're the very dirty mouth. He's a rude little mm. droid. Mm. What did you think of the droids, just in general? Because we do spend a lot cute. of time with them. Mm. And the gold one <laughs> had a really nice butt. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll let metal. <laughs> we have a new fetish. <laughs> yeah. Kink we'll, uh, shame. Turn around, he had a butt. We'll have to let Anthony Daniels know. I'm sure he'll be true. <laughs> oh, he'll love that. Yeah. He would love that so much. It was worth it in the end, that <laughs> whole performance. So, uh, one of the most well-known things about uh, Star Wars is uh, George Lucas's decision to accept a lower salary on the film, which was in exchange mm. for full merchandising rights. Um, now, at the time, that was considered uh, a fool's gambit. There wasn't really an industry of toys based on movies being successful. Ha! Look who's <laughs> laughing now! Uh, yes, well, uh, George Lucas very, very much laughing all the way to the bank, um, which he probably owns, because <laughs> the, the amount of money that Star Wars has made off toy merchandising alone would be fittingly astronomical mm. so uh, yes he did uh, he did pretty well out of that one um, and George, George is an interesting figure I guess because on the one hand he created Star Wars which is just that that is all any filmmaker really wants as a legacy is to create something as beloved and revisited as Star Wars but on the other hand he's quite unpopular because mm. of his um his his more recent tinkerings, not only going back and editing, but the prequel trilogy as well. Um, where does George Lucas sort of sit in your your opinion? And um, he, he it's it's a mixed bag. Um, they recently had a fortieth anniversary celebration panel, like they had Star Wars Celebration, the big Star Wars convention in Orlando, a couple of, uh, about a month ago now, and they had the fortieth celebration panel, which they brought out George Lucas on the stage, and. It was a bit of a risk because like, a lot of people don't like him, so they could have just booed him off stage, but everyone was full into it, and they brought in people like Hayden Christensen and all that to like mm. talk about the last 40 years of Star Wars. And I think with the, the release of Episode Seven and the new trilogy, he's, it, it's kind of been swept on, under the rug a little bit because now we have more amazing things to look forward to. Mm. When the prequels came out, that was it. Mm. That was the end of Star Wars forever. Yeah, we'd been looking forward to it for yeah. so long, and then um, there was the prequels. And he had a lot of the problems with the prequels are are there in the original trilogy. Some of the dialogue, some mm. of the more out there weird elements, um, and more kiddie stuff, you could say. Mm. Um, but he always had people during the original trilogy to rein him in. Uh, Harrison Ford in Episode Five uh, famously said. Are we let us swear on this podcast? Uh, you do it, and I'll bleep it out. Okay, if it's, if okay, it's a, cool. Um, 
uh, you can write this George, but you just can't say it. Mm. Oh, and he was the dialogue. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, and Carrie Fisher had to go in, and she became a script doctor because of her work yeah, yeah. on Star Wars. Absolutely. She had to change so much. And of they it. they cut lines and stuff, and you had creative people beneath him pushing back at his uh, probably bad decisions, which resulted in the original trilogy we have today. And then the prequels came around and everyone became a yes man mm. and said, you got it, George, you created Star Wars, you can do it. And he had no one holding him back. Right. Um, and that's why we had a film that was predominantly shot in front of green screens. Yeah. That's why we had Jar Jar Binks. Well, that's also him being in, on the forefront of technology in that time. Yeah. He just maybe took it a little bit too far. Mm. Um, so I, I, I thoroughly respect the man. It's just sometimes you're too close to something to see the errors. Mm. Mm. Sarah, your opinions on uh, I mean, George? I'm pretty similar because, again, he did create this universe. And a lot of his ideas, his design ideas are fantastic. Like he did had a lot of input on the costuming. I mean, so like about the prequel trilogy, like the costumes are beautiful. Mm. Like for some reason they have a costume change every scene, every time you see them on screen, especially Padme. But they're gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, we get the awesome fight scenes. Um, some of the battle sequences in space, eh, take them or leave them. Um, but they were based off World War II fights. So, you know, what can you do? Obviously, in World War II, we weren't in space. True. Um, so, you know, there are good things about it. I think fandom has become a lot more forgiving recently. Um, again, like a lot of people hated Hayden Christensen mm. um, because he did what he was told. You know, he acted how he was told to act. And so people, you know, panned him. And again, he was at the 40th celebration and a lot of people were a lot more welcoming to him. Oh, he got a massive cheer. Yeah. Time so heals all, all wounds. It does. And yeah. I mean, you go back and you watch the prequels and you, you sit with a grain of salt and go, okay, this is going to be a bit of fun. I'll close my eyes whenever Jar Jar's on screen. It's cool. Like when the pod racing happens, I'll just go make dinner or something. The pod racing was quite good though in Phantom. Yeehaw! Yeah. Yeah, Yippee! <laughs> yeah, that was quite good. But yeah. So, so and um, Claire, obviously this is your first exposure to any of George's work. Uh, do you have an opinion on him? Not really. Okay. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. Um, so just a couple of other fun facts. Um, the Banthers, which are the uh, big... Uh, elephants. Woolly, hairy... Yeah, they're elephants. Well, it, Banthers, it olifants, elephants. Yeah. Woo, we've all got the, them. The big hairy creatures which are ridden by the uh, Tuscan Raiders are actually Asian elephants covered in uh, fur and fake horns. And uh, the thing I really like is that because they weren't used to the heat of uh, Death Valley where they were uh, filming, they just kept taking off the costumes, which I the just, elephants did. Yeah, I just really <laughs> like the idea of like a costume designer running around after an elephant that keeps taking <laughs> off. It's amazing. Um, total body count in the film. Go Ooh. on. Two billion. <laughs> <laughs> Two million seven hundred ninety-five, one hundred ninety-two, according to IMD. Well, those poor guys on the space station and like, Alderaan. And on Alderaan. And Alderaan. Mm. Like they. And Greedo. <laughs> poor, poor Greedo. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Space Dad's dead. It's a lot of there's a lot of people that get killed in this, uh, you know, this uh, fun family romp. It's it is kind of interesting in that Death, respect. Fun for the whole family, pretty much. Um, most of the stormtroopers are left-handed. That uh, explains why they can't shoot. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, it's actually because of how their weapons are constructed. Their weapons are based yeah, on a real weapon where the magazine is on the left side of the weapon. The construction caused it to hit the stormtroopers in the chest. Therefore, they had to switch the grip of the weapon, which makes them all look left-handed. Oh. But considering that they're all, or at least a lot of them, were clones based on what happened in the prequel oh, trilogy. Hmm? They were uh, clones The, the Empire retired most of the clones after the Clone Wars. Oh, and so by the, the majority got... of stormtroopers are... Either enlisted soldiers or um, what's the word? 
when you stolen as children that came later <laughs> for the first order mostly mm-hmm. enlisted and conscripted that's okay. the word okay, yes. okay so there's not as many there's virtually no clones well, technically no clones. the clones were the army of the new of the republic right um and the empire was moving away from the republic mm. okay uh, they, they kept some of them on as a um like specialists later on but the majority they didn't keep up the cloning process okay then there's just a lot of left-handed people yeah. a long time ago in a galaxy far far away that's <laughs> well maybe it's fine. the sort of opposite universe to ours mm. like where majority right-handed they're mm. majority left-handed so uh one of the things that's always on imdb is alternate actors yeah. uh, for potential roles oh. uh, particularly harrison ford has got quite a lot on this list so actors who could have played harrison ford and what i just want around the table is like a quick yes this would have been a good choice or no this would have been a bad choice um billy d williams was because originally they were considering making han solo a black character nice so who billy d williams who had gone to play lando in the empire strikes back so you may not have seen him at this point claire he's Uh, awesome uh, would would he have been a good han solo though i can see that i can see that working I'm down for it. Okay. Like, let's go. Okay, we'll go back and we'll fix that in the time machine. Uh, other potential options. Kurt Russell. Um, I don't know if he could play Hans. Kurt Russell could play anyone, <laughs> but probably no in this case. Nah, nah. I don't know actors by name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, you might know this one. Christopher Walken. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I kept this watch. Up my ass for two years. And then my Wookiee also. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jack Nicholson. No. <laughs> uh, no. no. Al Pacino. Huh. Chevy Chase. No, Chevy definitely Chase. not. No. Steve Martin. Oh, God, no. Bill Murray. <laughs> what are they thinking? I think this is just a list of everyone in Hollywood. It's, yeah. 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 I mean, every white guy I mean, except. This is IMDb, so every actor is linked with every role in these lists. But it is just fun imagining all of these actors yeah. dressed as Han Solo. And now, dressed as Han Solo, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> I would watch that alternate cut. I wouldn't that to be the final film. Mm. I would like to see that alternate mm. cut, though. Maybe for like an SNL sketch. Yeah. John Travolta. No. I'm gonna like this Sunday is, night fever my way out of here. This is Greece period, John Travolta though, like when he was no, like, still no, no, still no. Okay, okay. <laughs> that car um, ain't flying. And James Woods is the other one on this no. list. No, he's probably he, he wouldn't have done it no. justice. I don't think. I think they may have made the right choice in that. Well, sense. he wasn't meant to be in it initially. No, he wasn't. No, they he, didn't want him. Yeah. Well, uh, it wasn't even that. It was just. Um, I don't think he was aiming to do it, but he was called in to. He was, he was a carpenter, yeah. so he was in there to yeah. like fix he, up a door. He had, um, he had been acting because he'd acted in a previous George American Lucas film, graffiti. yeah, which is why George Lucas didn't want to because he him wanted again. new actors. Yeah, um, but they he got him in to read some stuff and went, oh yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and for the voice of Darth Vader instead of James Earl Jones, Orson Welles. <sighs> but they would have been quite different. Kind of cool, yeah. But they didn't go for him because uh, too recognizable. Well, yeah. well, well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, although that said, it would have been really interesting having mm. Orson Welles to still sit down. To the there. Orson Welles. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much oh, for dear. that, Sarah. You're welcome. Um, and there were two designs for the, the Millennium Falcon. Uh, one which was used for the film and the other which was used for another ship in the film. The very first ship that you see in the film. The Taint of Four. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. So, again, one of those things where it's like, I could see that. I mm. could definitely see that sort of more traditional shape 
That's but it's, it's not as sort of epic. Like, as soon as you see that round shape, you think Millennium Falcon. Yeah. If you see something more traditional, you go, which spaceship is it? Mm-hmm. So it really sets it apart. Yeah, so I think I think it is. It, they made the correct choice, but it is just interesting that little bit, and obviously the first science fiction film to be nominated for a Best Picture Academy Award. Ooh, is it a science fiction film though, Stephen? Please don't drag my PhD. In. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'll, I'll I'll state very briefly. Uh, I'm doing a PhD in science fiction, specifically looking at science fiction in theatre. Based on a lot of classifications of what counts as science fiction, Star Wars doesn't technically fit because the story elements aren't derived from the science. What Star, what Star Wars would fantasy. be... fantasy. Yeah, it would be a fantasy in a space mm. setting. So even though it has a lot of the traditional tropes and dressings of a science fiction tale, it's not science fiction because the story isn't about the science propelling the plot forward or looking at one particular aspect of our current knowledge and manipulating it for entertainment or exploration value. It's merely a hero of a thousand faces, classic fantasy thing but with a lot of sci-fi bells and whistles on top that's the end of my phd <laughs> glad your phd money is going to good use oh it really is um but yes uh so all in all uh did we enjoy this film claire? oh not at all claire? yes you you enjoyed it? very much are you gonna watch the rest of them yeah now? can we record you while we do yeah, this? yeah. <laughs> the reactions are the best excellent um sarah did you enjoy watching the film again for the like five fifth hundredth time i can't even number right now because i'm still so happy that we just watched it and andrew uh yeah it hasn't changed much since i watched it two weeks ago fair enough uh, just just quickly uh with, with our two people that have watched it favorite star wars film rogue one episode five okay that's interesting uh, and yours would be a new hope currently. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to love episode five. It is amazing. Mm. It's widely regarded as the best. Yeah. Star Wars the film. only reason I'm saying Rogue One is because it's my current favorite, That's but fair. my all over favorite forever is episode five. Can, can I ask the people at the table that have watched it to rank oh, all God. the Star Wars films? Yeah, certainly. In fact, if you want to do that, uh, you can get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Uh, just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club podcast on Facebook and you can leave your uh, orders there. Uh, coincidentally, the correct order that you'll want to <laughs> is... Um, I always, I, I really like Return of the Jedi and I constantly flip between 6 and 5 being my favourite. So 6 and 5 in either order. Uh, then probably Episode 4. Then I would say... Rogue One, Episode 7, Episode 3, Episode 1, and then just don't bother including Attack of the Clones. He hates Episode 2. It's hilarious. I I think it happens. I know a lot of people really don't like The Phantom Menace, but I actually kind of enjoyed it when I first saw it as a 10-year-old. It's got Jewel of the Fates in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's got Darth Maul in it. You know, it's it's got some redeeming features. It's got Liam Neeson. Yeah. Yeah, Episode 2 is just... All it's got is Christopher Lee, and he's in Episode 3. It's got sand. I hate sand. And I hate sand too. Rough so. and irritating. It gets everywhere. Yes. Um, Not like here. Wait, so what order does it go in? If that was... Uh, okay. <laughs> if you watch them, in terms of the chronology of the plot, normal numerical system, one through seven, with Rogue One slipped in between three and four, because... Um, it's, uh, it's not technically an episode, it's just a Star Wars story. But don't do that. <laughs> in terms in terms of release in terms of the years they were released it's four five six one two three seven rogue one and then any future ones going forward why is it confusing okay uh, <laughs> everyone just looked at me and i breathed in um so there, there's lots of conflicting reports on why that order happened basically the main the, the story a lot of people go with is george lucas had the idea of the star wars which was this um big epic uh, Luke Skywalker, farm boy, becomes 
um, Jedi Knight through um, all these events. Um, and when he wrote this, he had in the backstory the Clone Wars. Um, so he Episode Four was re- originally released as just Star Wars, not Episode Four: A New Hope. It's just called Star Wars because um, they thought it was going to be the only film that was going to be made. They didn't think it was going to be successful, and then became a running hit. So then they made the sequel. They called. They decided. George decided he wanted to do the Clone Wars. They, he wanted to tell the Clone Wars story, but the technology didn't exist for something that grand yet. So he did four, five, six, and then uh, once, uh, like 15 years later, once Jurassic Park had come out, he decided that the technology was ready for that kind of story to be told. So then he did one, two, two, and three. And then uh, the Walt Disney Corporation bought the rights to Star Wars and have been making uh, all the films from seven onwards. Yes. Because Star Wars makes a lot of money. A lot and of they money. would like a lot of money. And they paid George Lucas $4 billion for it. Which they made back very quickly. Mm-hmm. With the first film. Whoa. Yeah, whoa mm. indeed. So, uh, um, j- just before we, we ratings wrap up, uh, yeah, and just before we get to the ratings, mm-hmm. was there anything just rewatching it that we didn't like aside from the adjustments that were made? Is there anything that stands out, Andrew? Um, can you come back to me? I've okay. got to think of it. Uh, Sarah? <laughs> uh, um, most of my issues are the things that were changed, mm. like Jabba. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, I'll throw in mine, which is one from bef- that was in the original. It's the trash compactor monster, Dianoga. Yes, it's so cute though. Yeah, but like in the like ankle deep water, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's like oh, acting. Yeah, it, it just it just feels like an unnecessary additional layer to what is an actually very good cake. It's just like an additional well, layer has lots of layers. She's gone through a lot. <laughs> um, but that, for me, that would be what would be... Um, I'd be very happy if it was just a trash compactor that started closing on them. I don't need two minutes of Mark Hamill almost drowning. Um, <laughs> Which he did. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, 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 it would have been nice to avoid that for the poor guy. Um, Claire, was there anything that you watched it that you could were like a bit eh about? Every time they were inside a spaceship... You could tell that it wasn't real. Oh, when it was shaking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what really annoyed me. Mm. Well, I mean, admittedly, you know, it is 40 years on now. Yeah. And given what it was originally filmed for and the way it was intended to be viewed in a in a cinema with a screen that maybe doesn't have the resolution we have these days, it's sort of forgivable. But you're right, it is quite mm. distracting. Mm. And if Luke could stop looking like Zac Efron, that would be lovely. <laughs> he changes his hair a little bit he coming does, up. He does, yeah. get yeah. Yeah. I have very... figured mine out. Yes, go on. Luke! Luke! Yes. Uncle Owen! Emperor! Luke! Yeah, just, okay. just cut all the name calling. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And Andrew? Um... On a technical standpoint, some of the audio is muffled in some scenes, that mm. stuff. That's, yeah, actually. Um, that's just because of the equipment they had. Yeah. Um, and um, I guess they just didn't do a good job with some of the ADR, maybe? Yeah, and there was um, this, there was a similar issue, uh, just going back to last week's episode with Alien. Uh, mm, there was an yes. issue with uh, specifically a scene between uh, Ripley and Dallas, which is like quite obviously out of focus. Um, a lot of that being handheld um, uh, camera work, they, they just obviously didn't get a take mm. where it was completely in focus and it's really noticeable. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was a similar thing. Nothing as drastically bad as that in this, no. but you were right. There were some bits where the sound goes a little bit muffled and then it comes back in. Yes. And you could like, even in the same scene, you like, between, you cut from like shots, shots and yeah. you're like, that's a much more clear sound than it was before, but that's just a technical thing. That was, you know, they didn't have yeah. the technology back then or the equipment. Um, that's the main thing. 
Okay, let's score this one. Is it like out of five Death Stars? Like it's it's a ranking out of ten. It can be out of ten, whatever you want. It could be out of ten, uh, Womp Rats. It can be out of ten, <laughs> Zac Efron haircuts. But whatever it is you want, you can do that. And we'll start with Andrew uh, giving it a ranking out of ten, even though it's a film and it's artistic and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily subject to a numerical evaluation. What is your score? Um, eight and a half power converters out of ten. <laughs> At Toshi Station. Yes. Okay, um, Sarah, your score? Uh, I'm going to give it eight pew-pews out of ten. Okay, uh, Claire, what would your score be? Oh, I'm going to give it a nine uh, robot butts out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Sexy. Excellent. And I will give it, um, I'm going to give it seven and a half Obi-Wan Kenobi nervously pulling out his lightsaber <laughs> yes. uh, every time we see him in the Death Stars. <laughs> out of 10 so uh that's it for our review of star wars a new hope uh claire thank you very much for coming on no thank you for having me and uh, yes we would love to have you back on for future star wars as, as they uh, approach definitely so, excellent so many wars in the stars quite a few mm. Mm. and of course uh, sarah thank you very much for your second appearance returning yeah yes and, pew, pew. and just while you're here thank you very much for allowing us to uh, record these at your at your humble abode for the last couple of weeks you're most welcome my house shall forever be the atmosphere of this podcast mm. Until we we, Until we find we somewhere yeah. more soundproof. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Andrew, thank you very much for making your debut appearance. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Hope I get a chance to appear again. And in Mandalorian armor, I hope yes. as well. If you bring me on for another Star Wars one, I'll, I'll get my Mandalorian out. Excellent. Episode five, let's go. <laughs> oh, that's if we did episode titles, getting my Mandalorian out might be the title. <laughs> um, so yes, just a little bit of housekeeping to finish off with. Um, for obviously more information about the Cinema Catch Up Club, you can find us on Facebook. Just search for the Facebook page, the Cinema Catch Up Club. Uh, to get hold of the episodes, you can find us on SoundCloud or on iTunes. So make sure that you subscribe to those services there. And uh, make sure to leave comments uh, wherever com- good comments are left. Uh, basically, just uh, letting us know what films you'd like us to review. We we do have films uh, in the can ready to go to review, but if you've got anything that you desperately, desperately want us to have a look at, leave it in the suggestion box, and who knows, it might be the next film that we look at. Except it's not, because we're looking at um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail next week. But Ooh. after that, after that, it could be literally anything. So, until then... Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Pew, pew. <laughs>